How's that for a slice of fried gold? Oh, you think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. I'll be back. Just a flesh wound. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. I'm sorry, Ben. I can't do that. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. I guess everyone's a title one good scare. Cool. I'm ready whenever you are. You want to do the intro? You want me to? Uh no, man. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with Gary's not here to do it. So, well, yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> well, hello. Welcome to the Cinema Shock Halloween special. That's what we're calling this, by the way, Todd. Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll put some spooky noises in there. Um, nice. Make nice. things nice and Halloweeny. I mean, this is dropping hopefully on Halloween if all goes according to plan. Hopefully, you're feeling nice and spooky. Uh, mm. Gary's not here because um, we killed him. <laughs> uh, murdered. Starting Halloween off with a bang. Gary's, Gary's that murdered. bang was killing Gary Horn. Sorry. Well, the hope is to bring him back as a zombie. Zombie Gary Horn uh, is the end goal. That was our in. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll instead see. Of, We've never reanimated anyone before. But instead we'll, of torn off sleeves, it'll just be torn off arms. And <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of him trying to tear his sleeve off, and his entire arm comes off. <laughs> Oh man. So anyway, me and Todd are here uh for your Halloween enjoyment because yes. we've been promising something for months. Literally since like the beginning of this po- since before the beginning of this podcast, um, I think. I went uh, back in my notes and I saw um the earliest date I saw was something in March that I had written something down. So March of this year. March of this year. Yeah, but it was in discussion long before that. So what we're doing here for this special bonus episode is we are finally getting into Todd's favorite horror movies. Uh, now, I think we need to give a little bit of backstory before. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Okay. All right. All okay. right. <laughs> Let, let's give people a little bit of background on this. Cause this, this predates cinema shock. Ooh, yeah. Uh, because if, if you, if you want to go back the where I was thinking about this on my drive home today, where this originated was uh, back on our old podcast. The mm-hmm. Psychotronic Film Society is what it was called. If, you, if yeah. you're not a longtime listener to me, it, me and Gary were the host. Todd was a frequent guest. But on that show, we would do like a year in review kind of thing and where we talk yeah. about our top movies of the year, things like that. And we would have guests and listeners and, and whatnot call and leave a voicemail that we would then play on, on the show and comment on and stuff. And I believe it was during one of those for probably the end of 2019, maybe yeah. the best of 2019 episode. Probably so, when yeah. it was. And we, I, I made a remark that Todd's not a horror guy <laughs> is what I said. Yeah. And Todd took offense to that. Yeah. This was after, after we listened to Todd's message and he had something, I think something derogatory to say about one of the top horror movies of the year. I don't even, I don't remember what. Oh, was. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I'd have to go back and listen to, to be it, fair. But, to be fair, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Todd, did, there was a horror movie that a lot of us liked, I think, and that Todd didn't. Anyway, uh, so I said, I meant, I was like, yeah, but Todd's not really a horror guy, so I can't expect him to really like that. And it was kind of in passing. It wasn't meant as a dig at Todd 
some people are not horror people. That's fine. Some people don't like, I don't like period dramas. Uh, you could say I'm not a period guy. <laughs> you don't get your period that often? <laughs> not, not too often. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Todd took offense to that and said, you know, I, I like horror movies. I'm a horror guy. So it's been kind of a running joke, basically, ever since then for the last, you know, almost two years. It's been kind of a running joke that uh, uh, Todd hates horror movies. And, yeah. and we talk about it. You know, we've, <laughs> you, so if you've heard us make those jokes throughout like our Romero series and things like that, that's where that all originated from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did say finally back in the last spring that, hey, Todd, let's settle this once and for all. I want to know your top horror movies of all time. So that's, that brings us finally, we've just had a hard time finding time to do it in between all yeah. the series and stuff. So yeah. I figured Halloween was a good time to finally do it, even though we couldn't get Gary here today. Gary is, uh, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he, he wasn't able to make it. We're recording at an odd time that we don't normally record this show. And yeah. he also just got back in town from a wrestling NWA thing. So he's just not available. So me and Todd were like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to do it ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, without, uh, you know, without further ado, uh, if I can just give a few things when, when Justin said, Hey, put your list together. If you recall, Justin, I, I asked for, okay, are we, can I get some parameters about that? Cause there are a ton of horror movies out there and, you know, for, for decades and decades and decades, you know, horror movies. I'm like, can we narrow this down a little bit? And you're, and you adamantly, Hey, no just your top 10 go. So, um, you know, I approached it very, uh, I feel I approached it very methodically, but again, I, like I said, you know, the earliest notes that I had, um, or the date that I had on my notes at the time was, uh, March of this year. So this list is good, you know, six, seven, eight months old. (laughs) And, um, I mean, I think it's safe to say that nothing's come out in the last seven or eight months that are probably going to be in your top four movies of all time. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And okay, uh, right. <laughs> so in putting this together, I was just like, God, trying to think of, you know, just, I can just rattle off 10, 10 uh, horror movies, but that doesn't really feel, that doesn't feel very authentic and like purposely driven, you know, uh, completion of the assignment so what i did was i just you know you can easily type in you know greatest horror movies of all time and it's going to give you a list of 100 or 200 or or you'll find multiple lists of yeah you'll find all kinds and you'll see a lot of the same movies on all of those and some variations on where they fall yeah exactly so that's what i did i pulled them all and then kind of tried to categorize because i feel like i like a lot of different types of horror and there right. are a lot of different types. There's, you know, serial killers, but then there's monsters, there's aliens. I mean, the, the, the lists go on and on and on. But I tried to break it down. And then once I kind of categorized things, that's where my personal tastes came in. And I got to say, in putting this together, I had some really, really, really hard decisions to make. Yeah. Because let's just look at, you know, I mean, without you know, bearing the lead too much here, take the category of zombie movies. There's a bunch and too many. Yeah, there's a lot, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, uh, you know, as much as I dig the, the, uh, the classic George Romero night of the living dead, 
do I consider that to be the best zombie movie given all of the zombie movies that have been made? And that's, and that's where my personal taste came in. It's just kind of like my personal enjoyment versus the level of. Well, yeah, uh, I think, I think that's important. I think anytime that you make a top movie, I mean, a top, 10 list or whatever of movies or music or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, at least the way I do it is it's, I, I like to call it like, these are my favorites, not necessarily like the top best. Cause that's a different, that's a completely different thing. Like right. there are films that I could objectively say, this is a great film. And one of, one of the great films that is not going to make my favorites list. Cause it's not one that I want to revisit. It's not one that I, you know, lives in, my mind you know like there are a lot there are movies that i could put in my i would say in the top 10 15 of all time that i've probably only seen once because they're not ones yeah. that i want to revisit I, I acknowledge that they're great but that doesn't mean that they're a favorite favorites are like sure. this is what i would take on a desert island exactly yeah so a lot of these are you know there's gonna be oh but what about this one and what about that one yeah i probably thought about that and then it just right. came down to a matter of personal taste yeah so it's, a, it's all it's very subjective when you're making i think it should be subjective when you're making a top 10 list like that that's and and you have a very different method than i do i'm not as methodical about it as you are uh and that's just and different people do top 10 lists different ways or whatever i am very much like i go with my gut kind of person yeah when it comes to making lists or when it comes to ranking stuff it's like yeah I th you know it's just what feels right 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 and when, like when it's said, like and eh, that one feels like it should be above that one to me you know yeah and and like i said earlier give it six months my opinion might change sure so, absolutely my like my if i if i were to name my like my top if people ask me my top movies not not horror but top movies of all time uh jaws is always going to be number one Mm. Uh, number two, three, four, and five can flip flop yeah. from day to day. Any given you know? day, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I know there are movies that are always probably going to be in the top five, but where they rank, it's it it just depends on my mood or, or exactly. maybe how recently I've seen it. Exactly, you know, and how fresh on the brain it is. Now, the last thing we'll get into is this list of this list um, is not only ten films. Justin yeah. asked for ten, and I just couldn't get it down to solely 10 okay so, he, so here's what i did i did seven and then i did two double features okay and one franchise oh a whole franchise wow whole you're franchise. really just uh taking a mulligan on that one are you yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so, um uh so the the top seven which so we'll do the top seven and then we'll do the the two double features and then we'll end on the franchise if, if that's well it's the top seven or we're gonna count down to your number one well so the, when, when I had, we get to okay so I see I didn't actually rank them I was just trying okay. to get I was just trying to that's get fine. them all in one place <laughs> that's fine I was just curious how we were doing this so but here's what here's I, the thing I want to let people know I have no idea I have not seen this list. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea what movies Todd we're this is completely unscripted yeah uh, if you listen to our regular <laughs> show obviously there's a lot of research and stuff involved and they're they're very uh, planned out to an extent this I have no idea where we're going with this conversation at all so that's very fun to me I will say I will say the the first seven they're all from different years so if you want to play uh, just a quick little guessing game to see if you can tell what it is by the year that might okay. be a little fun. <laughs> that could be fun. So, um, real quick though, before we get into your movies, though, I yeah, do want yeah, yeah. a quick a quick disclaimer. 
uh, in that we give we me and Gary have given Todd a lot of shit about this over the last year or two, uh, but it's all in it is all in good fun uh, because we're not we're not gatekeepers at Cinema Shock. Uh, we you know we give Todd shit because it's Todd and it's fun to give your it's fun to it's fun to bust your friends' balls. That's my basically role. you're right. That's my you know, role. That's uh, it's <laughs> it's fun to bust the balls of your friends. But uh, the thing is about Cinema Shock about this show is that. One of my favorite things about it is introducing people to movies that they may not have seen. So we are absolutely not gatekeepers. If you haven't seen any of these movies, we'll you recommend you go check them out. But that's what we want to do. Like we want when we do, you know, you mentioned George Romero. When we do a George Romero series, our my hope is that people, yeah, they're in because they we've we've seen Night of the Living Dead, we've seen Dawn of the Dead, but have you seen Martin? You know, uh, it's and if you haven't, we want you to watch it. Yeah, it's not that we're we're not we're never going to shame you for not having seen Martin. We want you to we want you to discover new things and we want you to love new things. So that that's all that's always my end goal with the podcast in general is I love I love introducing people to movies that they've never seen before. It's one of my favorite feelings in the world when like I sit down with with Bunny and we watch a movie that I know that I love and, and she hasn't seen and she watches it and loves it as well. We watched Jennifer's body the other night. She's never seen it. Uh, I've seen Jennifer's body a dozen times probably. And somehow my wife had never seen it. She wanted to watch it. I haven't seen that one. (laughs) You should check it out. It's currently (laughs) streaming on Criterion of all places. Yeah, but uh, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, She had never seen it. And I knew that she would like it. And she watched it and she's like, I think that's a masterpiece. Like she loved it. So that's a good feeling to me just because I like seeing people get enjoyment out of the things that I enjoy. You know, yeah. Um, I don't get mad if people don't. You know, will I have a spirited conversation if I disagree? Yeah, that's fun. I mean, debate is fun. It's but it's not always in in good fun. You yeah, know, uh, exactly. I, there's a lot of shitty trolls on the internet who don't know how to have fun with debate and things like that. That's and true. Those people suck, <laughs> and they're sad, lonely people. Yeah, uh, it is. It is perfectly fine to disagree with people, but you know, just be nice about it. So exactly. Anyway, that's my disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> no, that's great. And yeah, I tried to, you know, and again, I took a lot of things into account, but um, I am prepared to, uh, to defend each and every one of these. And okay. I think, and I don't think they're, uh, well, you know what, we'll, we'll save my opinion, maybe for the end. Um, so the first movie. Drum roll. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> From 1982. Care to take a Poltergeist. guess? Poltergeist. No, no, not that's Poltergeist. That's all I got. That's all? Okay. Uh, Gary would be very happy that I chose this. John Carpenter's The Thing. All right. You know, I'm very happy you chose that because (laughs) me and Gary are both huge uh, uh, John Carpenter fans, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, unlike Gary, consider The Thing my favorite John Carpenter movie. That's Uh, right. um, Yeah, yeah. I I like The Thing even better than, than Halloween. And I, uh, in fact, for years and years, I actually considered the thing, my number one favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, now in so recent good. years, it's been overtaken by the shining, but mm. only because I revisit that one a little bit more, but the thing is a very close number two for me, like top move, top horror movie of all time. Yeah. So what made you choose 
the thing. Well, besides uh, besides the mastery that is John Carpenter, um, you know, uh, love Kurt Russell. And I feel like this was real. This was like a really big thing post Disney career for Kurt mm-hmm. Russell. Yeah. Um, and I love. From a story, and of course, and Keith David. Let me. I just finished watching uh, Community again, and yeah. Keith David in my mind can do no wrong. <laughs> Keith amazing. David is—he's got the best voice, and of course, he's also in Carpenter's uh, "They Live" and that amazing alley fight with uh, with Roddy Piper. Yes, uh, and this was not, it was not Kurt Russell's first. It was towards the beginning of his partnership with. Carpenter, but not his first one because right. they had done a uh, made-for-TV movie where Kurt Russell played Elvis. I forgot about that. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never seen it, but uh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, very early in Carpenter's career. I think it came out right after Halloween, but was in production before Halloween came out and was like a major success, if I remember correctly. Again, speaking off the top of my brain. So I yeah, yeah. No. Sure. Well, the other thing that really struck me, besides the two amazing performances I just mentioned, I, everybody's performance in the movie is is really great. It's a, it's a great ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. But Wilford, the also Wilford Brimley, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the idea of this thing, uh attacking these guys where they're at, there's that sense of isolation. Mm-hmm. And because of are we are we gonna is this a spoiler episode? Are we are we Let, gonna say I, like, I would say try to keep it spoiler free? Yeah, I would say okay. try to keep it mostly spoiler free since we're going into so many movies. Okay. Um, I mean, this movie's 40 years old almost. So yeah. I, I imagine most of our <laughs> listeners have probably seen it, but there's a good know, chance. Uh, but yeah, so so that being said, um, the idea of the isolation uh that these guys that are um in this mountain uh science uh research facility that's not really a spoiler but um that's what the movie's about that's what it's about (laughs) um but the idea of what this thing is and not only uh the danger it poses but also the paranoia that comes from the events of this film uh it's just solid and i feel like pretty kind of timeless like you can you can watch this today and it holds up those rob botin and we've talked about rob botin on the podcast a few times uh but rob botin's effects still hold up so well like they're they're incredible uh i i think that the paranoia is i think part of what makes it so good because it is just intense and it's, it's that it's that sort of almost agatha christie and then there were none yeah. type of plot where you don't know who the it's like a murder mystery you don't know who the killer is in this case you don't know who the thing is it could be anyone it could be everyone you know you don't know and it's got that great ambiguous ending that still doesn't really tell you yeah uh, you yeah. know and it's 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 a masterpiece I yeah think. the thing the, really is and the theories the theories on the ending you know if you google yeah. if you google you know some fan theories about it those are just as entertaining and you're like oh, yeah. oh man this is great i mean that's a movie that uh like, I mean, I, I, I am excited about the day that we do a John Carpenter series mm. and get to talk about that movie, Oh yeah, like, like in depth, like really dig into it because the, the story behind it is great as well, because it was a very, it was a bomb when it came out, it was disliked and it was a box office bomb. And now oh, yeah. it's considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And one of the best movies John Carpenter ever made. So yeah, and looking it up, I I pulled I set up a little uh, spreadsheet as any good nerd would. 
<laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, seeing that its budget was roughly 15 million and the box office return is not much more like no roughly 19 uh 19 million in north america that was you know just the quick numbers that i found uh didn't win any big awards or anything like that it just kind of came and went but like over time man like fine wine yeah so wonderful so what's next up next from 2005 from the uk any thoughts any guesses 2005 from the uk the descent the descent yes (laughs) (laughs) written and directed by neil marshall like personally like i'm you know for the audience who's never seen us and never seen us stand together like i'm very broad-shouldered and thick-legged i'm not as tall as gary um but i'm sort of a bigger guy and um i had a car one time that you literally when I sat in the driver's seat, I had to hold my head to the side to fit <laughs> to fit in the car. And um, from my law enforcement career, wearing the vest, wearing the equipment and cramming yourself into a cruiser for 12 hours gave me sort of a, a little bit of a... Uh, uh, the uh, claustrophobia claustrophobia thank you i <laughs> lost the word but yeah so when i see movies where people are either in a submarine or crawling through a cave i am just my my senses and uh, my my anxiety just shoots through the roof right yeah. immediately and there are some there are some shots in here of them struggling to get through these narrow passages that alone it just puts me on high alert. It's then, a very anxiety inducing film. Yes. And then yeah. when you find even out, if you're not claustrophobic, but right. <laughs> if you are. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and uh, you know, and then once it's introduced, what's actually down in the caves, um, it doesn't get better. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Uh, the, it, it's a great film. It is. It really is. And the thing that sticks out to me, is the relationships much like jaws the relationships between the guys on the boat the relationships between these ladies in this cave just draws you in and you feel for them and you root for them and you hurt with them and Mm -hmm. yeah this is it's it's a really good one um it's intense i haven't seen it in a few years it might be about time for a revisit uh but i've always really liked it neil marshall's an interesting dude he uh he he broke out with this movie. Uh, his movie right before this was called Dog Soldiers. Yes, um, came out in two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. It's a that kind al- of low al- budget. That also almost made my list. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a good one. Well, it's one of the great werewolf movies. Uh, yeah. it, it is really good. Um, and then his other movies after this, like he hasn't had a lot of um, he hasn't had a lot of success. Like I, he did a movie called Doomsday, was like this post apocalyptic thing that I think is really fun and really good. Uh, but I don't think it did particularly well. He did a movie called Centurion with, I think, Michael Fassbender mm. that uh, that I also thought was pretty good, but it wasn't particularly successful. And then he's spent most of the time since then for like the last decade doing mostly television, including mm. a couple of the bigger episodes of game of thrones like the black the battle of blackwater bay and the watchers on the wall yeah like two of the big battle episodes of game of thrones he's done and then he did that hellboy movie that came out a couple years ago with uh david harbour which i never saw but i i heard nothing but 
bad things about it unfortunately so i saw it and i i consider my i mean it's hellboy it's comic book thing that's kind of you know i'm into that and it it i i feel like it was unfairly judged it's not the greatest yeah. thing since sliced bread it's, it's not he's fair not to gonna judge replace it against, ron perlman yeah and, and neil marshall's not gonna replace guillermo del toro <laughs> right like right. nobody could nobody <laughs> should be compared to guillermo del toro that's not fair exactly exactly <laughs> wasn't there a descent too there was never saw it you know a lot I of those think I things did, but i don't remember much about it yeah a lot of those things end up you know suffering from the sophomore slump and it's just you know a lot right. of them end up direct to video and just uh, the descent too was a theatrical release i just don't it? remember much about it yeah mm. yeah it was a, it was a theatrical release but somebody else directed it i don't know anyway it doesn't matter i don't remember anything about but it if if the uh if the box office is any indicator like it was made for about three million pounds and uh the numbers i got up in the 50 57 million somewhere around in there yeah. uh so that's not a bad return <laughs> not at all yeah the descent is great and it is it seems to be fairly well regarded even now yeah. like people still talk critics, about critics too loved it it yeah. got a whole bunch of nominations and awards yeah all right up next 2014 from the country of australia 2014 australia uh-huh your wife uh just recently completed some work on something related to this movie oh man um i'm drawing a blank on this one so it'd be the babadook the babadook I'm, yeah. oh yeah i've got a bob my wife painted a babadook um <laughs> for our front window because i was looking for some halloween decorations and i specifically wanted a cardboard cutout of the babadook nice. and it turns out they don't exist. They never made those. I don't know why. I literally, I went on, I think Amazon and searched because there's a lot of cardboard cutouts on Amazon. Uh, and I searched for a Babadook cardboard cutout. And the first result was a life-size cardboard cutout of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> now, I don't know why. Well, don't get me wrong. Also terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, so my wife hand painted a life-size Babadook cardboard uh, cutout, and it now lives in my front window, at least through the Halloween season. Maybe we'll leave it up year round. Who cares? Nice. We'll put a Santa Claus hat on it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that'd Christmas be so Bible. great. <laughs> uh, I'll put it out during Pride Month because Babadook is a gay icon now, as we all know. Really? Yeah. How you don't know the story about that? this? What, what's, uh, what's the story behind that? Just briefly. I mean, I would have to look up where the origin of it came. I don't remember, but uh, huh. yeah, the Babadook has become a uh, an LGBT uh, kind of icon, kind of mascot. Interesting. That's an yeah. interesting choice. I, yeah, yeah. I'll have to look into that because now I'm curious. <laughs> but yeah, um, look, you got you got a, a struggling mom. You got this pretty creepy kid, and then this thing from the storybook. A lot of children's uh, lore and uh nursery rhymes and and songs like that for whatever reason like as you get older end up inspiring more terror than yeah. comfort <laughs> yeah and the, the um, kid, that kid man oh yeah uh, will make you not want to ever have children exactly we'll, <laughs> he is the worst he is terrible uh, yeah. i mean the, the actor is great the the mm. character is terrible just he's just a terror uh not not like in a he's not the creepy one he's i mean i guess he's kind of creepy but uh he's just a handful you feel yeah. so bad for essie what's her name essie davis right essie, essie davis. davis yeah who was yeah, in we didn't discuss this in our matrix episodes but she's in the matrix sequels 
she 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 works on the i don't know if it's the nebuchadnezzar or the other one they're on in in like okay you know in the matrix uh the second one or the third one i don't know i think it's the third one yeah where neo is passed out and they're like trinity's talking to the lady trinity's talking to the lady and says like oh the lady says i'm seeing you know brain waves that i only see on people who are plugged in that's her that's Essie davis but she's got like really short hair yeah 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 yeah. she's got a really different look and she's doing a sort of a you know nondescript accent yeah 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 oh yeah that's her that's funny yeah Yeah. um yeah it's uh babadook yeah uh watch it with the lights on like it's all it's another one that's just very anxiety inducing to me because that kid just won't shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) the whole time that's scarier to me than the babadook itself the babadook Mm -hmm. itself is a great design though yeah um, yeah i haven't seen jennifer kent's newer movie she did a movie called the nightingale Mm. i I don't think it came out in uh, the u.s until last year probably and it's i think it's on like hulu or something so it's available now but i just haven't gotten around to it i've heard it's a rough watch not in that like it's bad in that it's just difficult because of the subject matter oh i gotcha yeah yeah, yeah. So um, i'd like to see it though because she is a a very unique voice i think in filmmaking yeah it's um yeah she wrote and directed this and uh yeah got a good return uh 10 million dollars on a two million dollar budget a uh, bunch of bunch of awards and nominations. So yeah, up in the you know, up in the sixties and fifties, yeah, um, on that. So that yeah, it was. It's a really it's a great one. There's you know, and again, I tried you know, in searching through different things, different elements having kids and uh, children folklore type things because you know, Bob Duke's not the only one. Um, this one just stuck out to me, and maybe it's because I watched it more recently than the others, or maybe it's because you know, it's from a different country, you know, as you get into horror films, if all you've experienced is uh, American horror, oh, you're and, missing out. yeah, you're missing out because the stuff coming out of uh, Asia and, and the UK and Australia, everywhere else, it's, it's got a different flavor to it. And it's, it's well, really cool. And the Babadook, I think was on the forefront of what this, this new newer horror movement that people call, and I, I hate this term, but it's kind of what is generally referred to as, um, elevated horror hmm. like horror movies that are that i think elevated horror for one is one of those terms that i i just dislike because it makes it, it makes other horror it makes it seem like other horror movies are lesser than yeah, because like they're horror elevated, whereas like yeah. this is this is yeah it's horror but it's elevated horror so i can watch it i a film snob can watch it still you know uh, i don't i don't like that shit like a lot of the the a24 stuff gets lumped in that her I'm wearing my hereditary shirt right now. And hereditary is one of those, the witch, you know, stuff like that. They all get lumped into this elevated horror uh, thing. And which I, I just, I really dislike, but I do like the idea of horror movies like the Babadook that are, they do have a lot to say about whether it be human psyche or just this real, real human experiences. Like the stuff that Jordan Peele is doing social Uh, there's a social element to it, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, up next 2016 from South Korea. Oh, train to Busan. Train to Busan. Yes. Uh, zombies. Here's your your zombie movie. (laughs) That's a fucking great. It's one of the greatest zombie movies. Solid. I mean, it's solid all the way around. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the idea of the shuffling, 
shuffling along zombie is kind of a thing, you know, kind of a trend that's kind of ended, you know, and now it's the ones who sprint at you full speed until, until you put them down. And I, to me, as a, as a chubby kid growing up, I can't sprint for that long. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to shuffle, yeah, I'll, I'll outrun you all day long, but if you're sprinting, yeah, man, Um, train to Busan is, it really is one. I think, has become known even yeah. as one of the great zombie movies. And I think one of the reasons is, be, and this, I, I've noticed this is actually a trend with, I think all of your picks so far is that it's storytelling is rooted in character, yeah. not just spectacle. I mean, Babadook is 100% a character piece, oh, very you know, much. but even the descent is very much based on this group of women uh, and their, their relationship with each other and and the thing is an ensemble and all these characters have their own things going on you see a little bit of each of their lives but the reason that train to busan if it were just about the zombies i don't think it would be as well regarded it's, yeah. it is really because it is a heartbreaking family yeah. story like drama in the midst of this zombie apocalypse yeah you know? yeah absolutely and then you know for the folks who are in it for the spectacle, there's a shot. Uh, and Justin, you may have to help me because it has been a while since I've watched this one. But like, there's a shot where the family kind of you know rounds a corner in this in the in the train station, and then what looks like a wave of water, but it's just all zombies just coming yeah. right after them. Oh. Yeah. So oh, just <laughs> if, it's really if spectacles great. your thing, it's got it in spades. But like, oh yeah. But it doesn't rely on only that. Like it's got so much more. And I think that's why if it were just spectacle, just the zombie stuff, I think people would still enjoy it because the zombie stuff is really good. But I think adding that element of, of just this great character, great characters. Yeah. Great. Great characters help me identify with. And in some cases just put me right next. It puts me right next to them in the action. And I, and I feel what's going on and just, woof. Yeah. And Train to Busan was followed up by, so this, the guy who directed it, his name is uh, Yan Sang-ho, mm-hmm. and he directed a, uh, there's a animated sequel called Soul Station, mm-hmm. and then there, which came out the same year, like later the same year, and then last year he had one come out called Peninsula, uh, which was also, it was billed in America as Train to Busan Presents Peninsula, mm-hmm. and it is unfortunately not very good i have not seen soul station the animated one but peninsula did exactly what we're talking about wrong in that it was all spectacle it was an action it was essentially an action movie with zombies and characters you didn't really care about and pretty bad cgi in a lot of scenes there are some like car chases where the cars are fully cgi and they don't in south korea the the not that there aren't great special effects coming out of south korea but there's nothing on the level of like what people in you, Hollywood studios are doing. So the quality of the CGI is kind of poor in those scenes. Mm-hmm. And it really takes you out of the, the film. I was very, very disappointed in Peninsula. But it, it was honestly hard for me to believe it was even directed by the same guy. Wow. <laughs> but that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't diminish the how great the original Train to Busan is. I am curious about the uh, about the animated sequel, Soul Soul Station. You said Soul Station, yeah. So I think it's streaming on Shutter these days. I have to look into that because yeah. that's I I'm 
I'm down to see that. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it, so I don't really know a lot about it. But it's, yeah, it's a full length animated film nice. set within the the world of the same outbreak or whatever. That's yeah. what the sequel is as well. The Peninsula. Uh, it's not the same characters. It's just set within the same outbreak, but it actually is a few months, I believe, in the future. Oh, okay, cool. Well, up next from the good old US of A in 2018. You're wearing the shirt. Oh, hereditary. Hereditary, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, I remember watching this for the first time with my wife. Um, we watched it here at our house in the dark at night. And I was kind of, you know, we we got a good ways into it. And I was like, I'm gonna keep watching, but this is this is the definition of a slow burn. And it's kind of it ramps up like the whole thing ramps up to those final frames of this film. And it's just, it's, I don't usually audibly respond to movies. Like while I'm watching them, Mm -hmm. this got a very loud, uh, Oh shit. from me. At least, at least one. Uh, well, I won't say, I don't want to spoil it, but needless to say, there's a, there's, there's a scene where stuff is happening and it's kind of one of those moments where, Actually, if you look in the corner, you'll see something that will just shake you to your core. Yeah, I know exactly what we're talking about. I mean, it's got a pretty big oh shit moment about at the end of the first act as well. Yes. yes uh, that, that I mean, I'm not going to spoil it here, even though it's been spoiled by memes and everything over the last couple of years. Right. But at the, the time that I saw it, I saw this movie, I saw Hereditary in the theater. Mm. And I just remember being absolutely floored by that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> but here's the thing i kind of wish gary was here because i know for a fact that gary is not a huge fan of hereditary right Um, i think i I remember having that conversation with him that he thinks that tony collette is way too over the top in it uh and she is over the top i and i I don't necessarily disagree with that but i uh, uh, on the other hand believe that it is fully intentional because yeah. i think a lot of <laughs> a lot of hereditary plays campy purposely i think I've, yeah because yeah. everything is played so big all the emotions be- between tony collette and uh what, what's the son's name uh the uh, alex wolf oh, yeah uh, like their their emotions are played so big like it's absolutely intentional and if you've seen ari aster's other work uh specifically uh, uh midsummer you can you know that he knows what he's doing with actors right uh, and that was a choice and i a choice that i happen to really like because i think it's very fun to watch yeah and uh speaking of which i think i think this whole thing uh this whole list this whole episode came from the discussion we had about midsummer oh because you didn't um, really like Midsummer. because i whereas gary doesn't like hereditary i'm not a fan of midsummer I love them both. I'm a big Ari Aster fan. Right. Uh, I love I love his style. I love the way he tells stories. And I, in fact, if I had to choose between the two, I actually probably like Midsummer a little bit more. A lot of people seem to really dig Midsummer over Hereditary, but um, I, but think, I think they're both great. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, in terms of the quality of the film and everything like that, it's yeah, the, it ticks all the boxes. It's yeah the highest quality on both on both parts but for me hereditary like like i said it got that big oh shit moment out of me if you get a no shit moment out of me yeah you're making the list (laughs) right (laughs) 
up next uh from the very next year 2019 this one this one got a lot of people and so it's not midsummer it's not midsummer <laughs> <laughs> in fact you've mentioned it once already or at least On you've mentioned show? you've mentioned it you've mentioned the writer and director oh, man. Uh, mr jordan peele with oh 2019 was that get out oh, or that was us that was us that was yes. us yeah um this one for me uh in short well first of all jordan peele has proven he is he's amazing, a genius dude. he's really really amazing yeah I, of course you know coming from comedy and um you know i approach comedy very much the same way as i've done this list very uh methodical almost academic you know in my approach to comedy and watching the things that he has done uh with keegan michael key on their show it's just so so brilliant and and you it, it, watching key and peel we should have known at some point that one of them was going to be into horror movies because there's some there's some like pretty <laughs> great horror sketches on that show yes yes absolutely they they consistently knock it out of the park and uh with us for me in addition to the social commentary again we're watching a family that we're invested in and you know even if you don't directly identify you're you're hearing what they're going through and you you side with them immediately and you root for them and then when they are presented with the antagonists we'll say um it's just such a shock to the system and yeah. for me this is one of those really nice blends of horror and I'll even, and I'll say science fiction which you know if you're familiar with Jordan Peele and his involvement with the Twilight Zone um I could see a version of us being a really great episode of the Twilight Zone as well um yeah. just very um again more of that paranoia and again Justin pointed out very astutely pointed it out I I'm big on characters and this uh this is just chock full of these super rich characters who go through this horrifying thing you know at the risk of sounding you know redundant or obvious very horrifying set of circumstances that uh lead to um some really interesting conclusions and do you prefer us to get out that was that was something that i struggled with for a while so i was like you know what i i love both of those movies so much um but i was like which one and i feel get out I, seems to be the gen generally the more popular of the two among it people. does yeah it does um i think the deciding factor i i think i think because i think because i enjoyed the family aspect of the protagonists of us as opposed to seeing it through the eyes of one person i i you know I, a lot of these films have larger casts larger ensemble casts and i think i also get into that as well even with my comic book movies i love the avengers and you know they've done a great job of treating you know everyone gets their fair share of screen time and i love that um so i think that's probably that might have been the what tipped the scales in terms of right. those two but i could easily switch out I mean, they're yeah. both, they're both amazing, but I think they're I both really us. great. Uh, yeah. I, I think if I, I think I, I prefer get out to us. I think us is really great. I, I enjoy it a lot. I think I lean a little bit more towards get out for a couple of reasons. Um, I, 
for overall, I just think it's a more effective movie. Mm. Uh, now, as a horror film, I think Us is a scarier film. Um, I think that entire that that centerpiece of the film, which is the home invasion, mm. uh, is incredibly like terrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it, it yeah. really is, and for the performances sure. are amazing, uh, especially from uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who is just one of the best so out there good. right now yeah <laughs> uh i think she and winston duke's great in it as well the kids are great i think they're all great uh tim heidecker is great and elizabeth boss everyone's great in it yeah uh yeah. it's filled with great performances but i do think as a horror film us is a probably more effective as far as like which one's creepier mm. but i think get out overall uh is a little more specific in its social commentary and it's yeah. a, it's a little more refined in what he's trying to say with it mm. you know yeah uh, yeah that i i think i prefer that one a little bit more but i i think they're both great and would and they make a great double feature and i oh absolutely constantly looking forward to whatever jordan peele decides to do next uh if you haven't seen his candy man which he did not direct uh that was uh directed by nia DaCosta who is also, she's a really wonderful director. Jordan Peele co-wrote it and, and produced it and got his name behind it to get it made. Uh, it, it is doing the same kind of thing where he's he's got something to say with it about the Black experience that mm. I think, while tying into the original Candyman in a really fun way. Uh, I, would, I would recommend the, the, the Candyman remake. When I think the- it's really good. When did that come out? Because I dig the Candyman movies. I must have completely missed that. When did that come out? Uh, came out a month, a couple months ago. Oh, like, okay. Uh, so, all right. I was like, August, was... September, something like that. Okay. It was I'll supposed to come out in 2020 and got um, pushed back several times, but it finally yeah. came out. So it's probably on on demand now at this point. But nice. nice. Uh, yeah, really, really cool. It and it it works as a direct sequel, kind of to the original movie. Nice. The original Candyman, but it doesn't require you to have seen the original one because they recap it in a pretty fun way. Nice. Yeah. That so, no, that's really great. I I've dug those and um, and Virginia Madsen love love her character as yeah. well. Like it's you know, yeah those those are those are fun to begin she's, with. And she's I, not adding in Jordan it, but... adding Jordan Peele. Yeah, we really want to dive into that again. <laughs> yeah, I actually read an interview with Nia DaCosta today from Fangoria, and she—I I really look forward to what she she does next because I think she's a good director, and she's from—I mean, from the movie and from seeing her in interviews, like she is incredibly intelligent, and not necessarily like her her first movie, which I can't recall the name of right now, but it was like a character drama. It wasn't a horror movie at all, mm. and she's not necessarily wanting to be pigeonholed as a horror director. But of course, now because of Candyman, she's getting all kinds of horror scripts sent her way. Of course. Uh, but whatever she does next, whether it be horror or not, I'll, I'm into it. Yeah. You know, Hollywood. Oh, you're successful at a thing. Do it 20 more times until yeah. people are sick of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So rounding out the first seven from 2020, written and directed by Lee Winnell. Oh yeah, hell yeah, The Invisible Man. Invisible Man, yeah, it's a fucking uh, great movie. Yeah, uh, another movie with uh, the great Elizabeth Moss. Like one of the last movies, if not the last movie, I saw in theaters before the pandemic uh, before shut, the down. shut down. Yeah, I saw it twice in theaters. It's uh, dope. I saw that, and I saw Birds of Prey. Those were the last two I saw, but I think I saw Invisible Man after Birds of Prey. Oh, okay, uh, Birds of Prey is good too, but uh, Invisible Man, yeah incredible nice yeah it's um again here you got this um uh, 
yeah, there is definitely a running theme, rich character. Now this is more of a singular characters struggle against, you know, it is, but it's literally still rooted and it's still rooted in character. It is very much. And, you know, and the plot unfolds as you go um, with the backstory of everything that's involved with it. But uh, oof, man, I, and I've seen different quote unquote, invisible man type movies. Hell, we just covered one not that long ago. Hollow yeah. man. Um, you know, not as good as this, not as good, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah, that's available on uh, cinema shock for anybody who wants to go back and visit that during our, uh, um, that was our Verhoeven. Verhoeven. Yes. Thank you, Paul Verhoeven. I'm it's Friday. My brain's shutting down. I get it. I get it. (laughs) I'm there with you, but, uh, it, Lee, but a lot Lee of fun. Yeah. has had a cool career. He's uh, very Australian. He uh, got to start working with James Wan, who is another master of uh, horror. And they they did Saw together, the original Saw, before it turned into whatever the hell it turned into. Uh, but he did the original <laughs> Saw, and then he did. I think the first movie he directed was Insidious Three, because uh, James Wan did the first two. Yeah, Wanell did the third one, which is pretty good. You know, it's it's pretty good. But then. He did a movie called Upgrade. Have you seen Upgrade? I have seen Upgrade. It's oh, pretty it's awesome. so good. Yeah, it's a lot <laughs> it's of fun. So good. That's one that kind of went under the radar. I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. And man, if y'all haven't seen Upgrade, uh, it's it's got Logan Marshall Green in it. And it's kind of a play on Ro- RoboCop. Kind of a play a on little RoboCop. Bit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah, bit. Kind of. It's, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it's not a like cop, a... but yeah, it's it's. Anyway, it's a sci-fi movie, sci-fi action movie, not a horror movie, but it's got a, it's got some horror elements to it. Oh but. yeah, I mean, yeah. if 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 your expectations are surface level, like action and fight scenes and stuff, Upgrade delivers. Like it's if you're all, looking, and a great story. I mean, yeah, it's just if you're looking for something a little bit deeper, yeah, Upgrade's still gonna please you. It's it's a good one. It's a really good. But one. yeah, back back to the Invisible Man though. The yes. Invisible Man is uh like it came out at just the right time too, yeah. you know, and I don't know that this was part of the writing uh, intentional. I think it was probably being written before the, the me too movement and all the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but shit, that's a tale as old as time, unfortunately. Right. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, uh, we've talked, we talked about it on our Showgirls episode, you know, uh, back on, which came out in 1995. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, unfortunately a tale as old as time that uh, men suck. Yeah, uh, essentially, <laughs> that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. A lot of a lot of dudes are terrible, uh, but it's another one, a, a, another theme other than uh, character-based stuff that I've noticed here is paranoia. Yes, very uh, and much. this is a movie where you don't know necessarily until you do. Uh, yeah, if, exactly. If she <laughs> if she is just crazy or not, or you know if she's imagining this and. Uh, if she's paranoid and then uh, everyone else thinks that she's just being crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and his use, one uh, use of um, empty space in a frame in that movie, like he he'll he'll frame scenes where it hints that there's somebody like in a corner, like he uh-huh. he, he shoots it the same way he would shoot a shot that had two people in it. Yep. Like yep. they had her and then him standing over to the side. Uh, it's almost like he put a stand in in there, yeah. set the camera, set the shot where he wanted it. 
and then told the stand-in to get off the set. Yep, just leave. And then kept just left the camera where it was, <laughs> as if there was still a person there. Uh, it's really great. It's a really great use. And there's also this really great, like, 360-degree shot. You know what I'm talking about in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God. It's, he's, he's great. Well, uh, I mean, lot- I really liked Upgrade when I saw it, and I was like, man, Lee Wanell kind of kicks ass. Then I saw this, I was like, this guy is going to be a fucking legend if he keeps this up. But along uh, to, to your point of, uh, along with uh, what you said about the cinematography, the thing that stuck out to me was uh, the use of sound design for that yeah. one. There yeah. are some quieter than quiet moments. And, oh, yeah. you know, for, I will say this, like, I've only been producing my own podcast for less than a year, but in that time, I have rapidly put together a big appreciation for sound mixing sound design because it's every little thing is in there and you hear it and it creates a certain effect uh i've mentioned it more than once on my show computer resume podcast the jj abrams 2009 star trek where in that opening scene someone blows a hole in the hall and someone gets sucked out and the camera follows them and as soon as it breaches the hull all the sound cuts out and it was such a shock to the system that you know for these moments these quiet slow paced methodical scenes where she's looking she's hunting she's searching and the sound is just definitely definitely quiet it just amps up everything that you're already feeling the paranoia in addition to like am am i crazy am i gonna is is this thing gonna kill me at any second (laughs) yeah but i I absolutely love it so here we are the two double features if you're looking to have a night at home you know make yourself some food and sit there and watch a couple movies back to back these are my horror choices so up first from 1984 and then 1994 from from Wes Craven Nightmare on Elm Street and then Wes Craven's New Nightmare that's a great one it's so much fun you know the the franchise the Freddy Krueger you know Nightmare on Elm Street franchise as a whole I really enjoy what they did in revealing little parts of his character throughout the movie now you know Freddy Krueger being what he is ended up kind of becoming this sort of more cartoonish figure. Sure. Yeah. But I think in the original and then in new nightmare, Freddy is at his purest um, form. And then also seeing the breaking of the fourth wall and bringing the, bringing that terror into the real world Mm -hmm. um, is just so much fun. I love it. It's also, Craven doing this meta thing, uh, which I'm not referring to the new name of Facebook, by the way, which is now called Meta, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Fucking stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. Uh, but it's he's doing this thing where he is, yes, acknowledging in a movie that the Nightmare on Elm Street films are movies, which his very next movie 
after New Nightmare, a scream. Yep. So he yep. <laughs> it almost feels like a test run. Yeah. You know, it, I know it wasn't planned that way because he didn't write Scream, but it, it almost feels that way. And I love New Nightmare. I'm actually watching my way through the Nightmare movies right now, Ooh, uh, just uh, nice. just for fun. Me and Bunny are watching the the Friday the Thirteenth movies together, and mm-hmm. I am on my uh, own free time watching the the Nightmare movies. And I just watched one, two, and three in the last few days. And part three, if you're if you're gonna do a triple feature on nightmare movies part three is the other one to watch nice. dream warriors is really great it's it's one that it's the only other fun. sequel that wes craven came back to write he didn't direct uh-huh. it but he wrote it and then of course he came back to direct on new nightmare but yeah uh those are and honestly most of the other nightmare movies are kind of garbage but uh <laughs> yeah. i mean they're not terrible some of them are but they're 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 all fun but yeah they get the as they go along, they get more fun and less horror. Less scary. They, yeah. They yeah. Yeah. Fre- so. Freddie becomes a clown and you know, yeah. he's just doing it's just one-liners and stuff, but they're yeah. still fun. They're just not as effective. Exactly. But number one is still really effective. Number and, and number I think number three is, even though number three does sort of turn into like a Freddie, Freddie turns into a superhero basically, and a bunch of superheroes have to fight him. Yeah. That's basically what it's about. <laughs> Everyone's got like a they all have powers in their dreams and they can fight Freddy. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun. But yeah, then New Nightmare is is very unique. And um Heather Langenkamp, what a great, what a great performance. I mean, yeah. At the risk of, you know, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, and you know, the the on in the in the uh annuals of you know, final girls, Heather Langenkamp. Yeah does just knocks it out of the park oh, yeah. in, but in both top. films in both yeah. films and She's in part uh, three as well yeah yeah and uh also makes an appearance in one of the jj abrams uh star trek movies uh oh, does she <laughs> she does and now she's buried in prosthetics but sure <laughs> but she's there for yeah. sure well uh all right so if uh freddy krueger's not your thing i'm this is this is where justin and i are gonna fight i think oh <laughs> and you can probably guess <laughs> from is this another double feature it is another yes this is the okay. second double feature okay um and i would watch them in this order from 2002 and 1991 in that order in that order wow red dragon okay. and silence of the lambs red dragon yep this is over manhunter yeah yeah. Have you seen Manhunter? I have. It's <laughs> so good. It's so much better. <laughs> well, here's 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 my reasons for it. At, and I put this next to the Nightmare on Elm Street because I, I wanted to show this. Nightmare on Elm Street, we we jumped 10 years in the future to you know this thing that actually feels seamless. Yeah. Whereas with Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, as opposed to Manhunter and Silence of the Lambs. Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, uh, with the assistance of Ted Talley writing both of these, th- it feels seamless. You could well, watch back to back and it feels... Red like- Dragon was was designed as a sequel or prequel to Silence of the Lambs, whereas yes. Manhunter was designed as a standalone. So you've exactly. got Brian Cox as Le- Hannibal Lecter as right. opposed to... Anthony Hopkins. So yeah, I get that. But yeah. as far as quality of film, 
I think Manhunter is a better movie. I mean, it's Michael Mann versus Michael Mann versus Brett, Brett Ratner. Ratner. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, I, I, I absolutely see your point there. I, this is one of those ones where I'm leaning heavily on the writing because, you know, again, you get that consistent feel even in the dialogue and in the pacing of, of that dialogue and plot and story together. And I, it's, it's hard for me to watch anybody else as, um, as Hannibal Lecter right with such a, with such an, with, I'm not saying he's not great, (laughs) but with such an iconic performance, I mean, to a point where silence of the lambs won five Oscars. Yeah. Including best picture. Yeah. I mean, the proof's in the pudding there now. Red dragon, red dragon is, does not dragon didn't win any Oscars. Right. (laughs) Does not hold a candle, but if for the double feature, that's the route I would go. Is I mean, I get that for a double feature, but yeah, Manhunter, if you haven't seen it, is a, is a really great film. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, shit. The guy who plays... Um, the guy who plays Francis Dollarhide in uh, Tom oh, Noonan. Tom yes. Noonan in Red Dragon yeah. is so creepy. Yeah. So creepy. <laughs> I can't even remember anyway. who plays him in Red Dragon. Who plays him in Red Dragon? Um, Ralph Fiennes. Oh yeah, well he's pretty yeah. good too. Yeah, he's good too. <laughs> he's pretty good too. If you, if uh, you're gonna replace anybody on a creepy factor, go with Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Red Dragon does have a great cast because I know Edward yeah. Norton plays Will Graham in it. Uh, yeah. Have you seen the um, Hannibal TV show? I have not, and it's been on my list for a long, long Man, time. I would, I would recommend checking it out. I think it's really good. Is it on Netflix? Is it streaming? Uh, it might be. It's 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 probably on Peacock these days. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's an NBC um, show. You know what? Universal. I, a movie that I like that I would do as a double feature with Silence of the Lambs, even over Red Dragon, even though it's probably less liked than Red Dragon in general. Really, it's Hannibal. You know, Ridley, I thought about Ridley that. Scott's Hannibal, and I am not a, like a Ridley Scott fanboy. I'm very hit or miss on Ridley Scott, uh, but I think Hannibal. I think Ridley Scott leaned into the only direction you can lean mm. in Hannibal is mm-hmm. a little over the top. Yeah, you know, because that's how the book is. Uh, will, the book got the book got because in the way the book, the way Thomas Harris wrote, Harris wrote the books, it was Red Dragon, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, and then Hannibal. And by Hannibal, the movie had already come out, Silence of the Lambs. So there was already there were these expectations. Yeah, and he ended up going a little over the top with it, and the movie continues that. You know, and it's not a great movie, but it's got some great stuff in it. I mean the scene where Hannibal Lecter is like eating the brain of, uh, of uh, Ray Liotta, you know, yes. <laughs> while he's still I will, alive. And I will and- say this, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I think it's important to note of everything that's on this list. That is the one thing that made me nauseous that yeah, physically that made me nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> I was so like, good. and I recall, cause I saw it in the theater. I saw yeah. that. Well, I guess it's not on the list, but of the, all the things that we're talking about, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I remember sitting in the theater watching Hannibal and li- physically having to turn my head away from the screen. I was like, I can't, I can't. I can't well, Gary Oldman's <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty hard to look at in that movie. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Mason, um, uh, oh, whatever his name is. Yeah. I think yeah. the one thing that hurt it, the thing that hurt it the most was probably uh, Jodie Foster not returning as clear. Yeah, not that, yeah. I mean, Julianne Moore is great, but does a great job. Jodie Foster, that's an iconic role, and it's it's really hard for anyone to step back into that role. So, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I like Hannibal. I think it's fun. It is. It is very fun. Yeah. Now, Hannibal I, Rising, 
no way fuck that movie that's terrible. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the really, less we say about animal rising it's better. pretty bad <laughs> it's pretty bad all right here we are so we're down to the franchise we've gotten the seven we've gotten the two double features and now the franchise this one's probably based on the years that they came out is going to be very obvious what it is um in fact you've already talked shit about it in this episode <laughs> is it saw 2004 2005 2006 2007 2008 2009 and 2010 and i'm stopping there um wait it's, it's, you're the, not, saw, you're, it's the saw franchise man spiral's really good uh here's the thing um i rewatched uh jigsaw and i'll i'll include i never jigsaw. saw jigsaw um I'll include i never jigsaw, saw but I, I haven't seen jigsaw and i haven't seen the what was the last one before that like saw 3d or something like that yeah the i never saw, saw the, yeah so i never saw those last two um in turn well based on the things that we've talked about in this list so far the reason i chose the saw franchise is i really find the character of john kramer um so fascinating as a protagonist slash antagonist yeah um, i mean he's a great horror movie villain he's yeah. one of the he's one of the only like new horror icons that have been created in the last 25 years or whatever mm-hmm. but i do think the movies are not i mean i enjoy them from a certain angle i don't think they're great i think they lean a little bit too far after the first one now the first one's a good little chamber piece kind of thing oh Although sure i think care i think carrie always is horrible in it um i think he's i think his performance is really really bad in that movie but i I enjoy that movie overall the original saw uh when darren lynn boozman got it and i i like him as a director in generally speaking uh i think that it leaned a little too far into the 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 i hate this term but the torture porn aspect of it yeah you know and despicable characters especially in part two i really hate the characters in part two yeah but i I have to get behind them yeah but i have always admired the way that they treated saw the franchise in a way that i can't think of many other movie franchises doing almost like episodic television yeah you could essentially watch you could essentially watch one a day and it watches it watches like a like a mini series, but it, none of them after the first one work as a standalone movie. Correct. Because if you see Saw three or you see Saw four and you haven't seen like Saw two, yeah, you're gonna be like lost. you're kind of fucked. I mean, yeah. which I know that's the case with a lot of sequels, but not horror movie sequels necessarily. You right. could watch Nightmare on Elm Street three, and it's a full experience beginning to end. You know, but the, the, I've always loved the way that they do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't always love the edgelord you know aesthetic of those movies and mm. how they're just too mean-spirited that's the thing and they i don't are. i don't mind i don't mind a mean-spirited streak in a movie but the saw movies are generally like completely devoid of any kind of light or humor at all right uh, and i think that horror i think hor- the best horror movies have moments of levity that are missing from the saw movies yeah now with that said spiral that's that's one thing they did very well i mean granted they got chris rock in there yeah i was gonna say it helps when you have one of the one of the goats of comedy yeah (laughs) as your lead 
and writer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, I, and have you seen Spiral? I have. I I rewatched it today, and I think it's really good. I think it's the best Saw movie since the first one. Oh, yeah. this is where we'll fight again. I <laughs> and and here and here's why. Um, in and of itself, it is great. I don't think it needs to be a Saw movie. Um, in that and 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 to be honest, it's not. It's really it's, not. I mean, that's the thing. That's it's it's set within the Saw universe. It is set within the Saw you universe know? where this sort of but where the, John Kramer and of, his stuff happened. And yeah. this is somewhere else entirely. Right. So uh, for that aspect alone, I just because I think the characters are so rich between John Kramer, his wife, the doctor, the lawyer, and it, it slowly, you know, spirals, yeah, but you can only do that for so long outward. before you have to get into. Yeah. Like copycats seven, seven because and that's where yeah, it ends. Well, because he, <laughs> he fucking dies in part two or something. Right. So yeah, yeah. everything else is just like they, they kept, they managed to keep Tobin bell in those movies for seven movies, uh-huh. even though his character dies in the second one, Exactly. you know, and they bent over backwards to do it a time and time again. Yeah. Uh, but the spiral finally just had the balls to say he's dead. He's been dead for years. Yep. And this is how we're going to move forward with it, which, you know, in terms I li- of, I, I like it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I enjoy, I enjoy my, the Michael Myers movies. I enjoy the Freddy movies. You know, I love, I love a good, I love a big franchise. Love them. Um, but this one, because, because of the nature, the way the story is told is a way to sort of bend over backwards to get Tobin Bell to keep appearing as Jigsaw. But again, like we said earlier, these happen, you know, uh, they came out between 2004 and 2010, the initial the initial run, the first seven, um, they do watch so tightly. Like this chain of events, pre, you know, from from the bathroom in Saw One to the final frames of Saw Seven or Saw 3D, um, that could have happened over a weekend. Yeah, it's, in, in it's terms a, of the span of time, and I it's really I fun think that's the way they connect. Yeah. I like how they connect all the different characters and things yeah. like that. And that's that's uh, what really set it apart for me because even yeah. in the face of those other iconic big franchises, this one is in terms of storytelling and character and character development and reveals um it sets itself apart. So yeah. if I had to choose one, I'd go saw. Now, like I said, I'd leave off spiral because it doesn't really tie into the rest of them, mm. but you know, spiral is also not a bad movie. Uh, you know, yeah, you got some really good, good stuff. I think there was a, de- for me, there's a definite switch between uh, when Lee one isn't writing it anymore, when it uh, switches over to Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, um, you know, did one did he write anything past the first one? Nope. Yeah, I didn't he, think he so, stopped. Yeah. He stopped after the first three. And Darren Lynn Boosman did, I think, two, three, four, two, three, and four, and spiral. And for spiral, yeah, yeah. two, three, four, so, and spiral. But um, I think David Hackle, who directed the fifth one, yeah, and Kevin Grutert, I may not be pronouncing that correctly, but that's as best as I can do. Um, he directed the sixth one and the seventh one. Both of those guys, the Saw movies, were their first directing. 
Yeah, that was their yeah I think they were debut, which is great. Well, I think I think they had maybe worked on the films previous Probably. as like um, editor, or, I don't know, something like that. I, yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, and well, the thing about the at least the first Saw movie is that it gave us James Wan, who, like I, yeah. I mentioned before, yeah. I think he's one of the best horror directors out there. I mean, uh, the Insidious, I think, is great. I think the Conjuring, the first two Conjuring movies, are both just flat out. Especially Wonderful. the first ones, the Wonderful. first one's a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, first ones a, is the first Conjuring is a movie that I think will be considered one of the great horror movies of all time for years to come. Yeah, uh, but I even like I watched Death Sentence for the first time earlier this year, which is this scuzzy little like revenge movie with Kevin Bacon that he did. Um, oh yeah, just before Insidious, and it's it's really good. Uh, and man, then he's doing blockbusters. He's doing Aquaman. He's he's filming Aquaman two right now. He did a Fast and the Furious movie, nice. and then this year he came out with Malignant, which has split people down the middle uh, on love it or hate it. And I huh. happen to absolutely be bonkers in love with Malignant. It's one of my nice. favorite movies of the year. Uh, nice. I'll defend that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure at some point because other people really hate that movie. Wow. Uh, because it's one of the most audacious things that a, that a major studio has put out this year. And I, I think it's great. I love that Willie Wannell is using his power to do weird shit. Yeah. Uh, Malignant's very, <laughs> very Giallo inspired. And I know you didn't put any Giallo on here. I didn't. Uh, yeah. But you probably haven't seen a lot of Giallo, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I was uh, introduced to uh, uh, Profundo Rosso and that's, it, it's another one that just, it didn't hit with me. Um, yeah. So if that if that's the indicator, I was like, well, I'm gonna if I can't speak knowledgeably to something of sure. that, I, I figured I'll leave it off the list for now. Like I said, these lists change yeah. given on the direction of the wind. You know, I'm so, sure we'll do a Giallo series or at least oh, a Dario yeah. Argento sh- series at yeah. some point that's uh, sure. over the life of this podcast. So. One of the thing, one uh, thing I did want to uh, mention is a little bit of stats. If anybody's been keeping track. Um, one, two, three, four, five of the first seven are from writer directors and, um, one, two, three, four, five of the seven, uh, lead actors are ladies. I wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, I think being able to take something, you know, on the writer director thing, being able to take something from birth in your brain to the page and all see it all the way through to a premiere is a monumental achievement. Talk to anybody who's ever tried to get anything made and it is damn near impossible. <laughs> the fact that any movie sees the light of day is it's a miracle. just shy of a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I have another question for you before we wrap it up because sure. one, one trend I noticed that is that a lot of your picks are, more modern uh even yeah i think the thing from 1982 is your oldest that is the oldest oldest, yeah is there something about like do you in let's say in in a broad scope of non-horror movies do you tend to lean towards more modern stuff i know some people old older movies uh filmmaking techniques and whatnot just don't speak to them is that something in general for you is that just happened to be a a, well coincidence on in the case of horror films it was for for this list particularly i had the original halloweens i had 
some black and white classics. I even had a silent film or two. Uh, and it was just kind of, if I, if, if you hand it, if you held up both in front of my face and said, let's watch one, what was it going to be? And at the time I put this together, yeah, I ended up leaning more modern and it's not because I don't like those movies. I mean, the Omen, um, Jaws, you know, uh, oh, and like I said, some black and white classics, like, yeah. This list was very, at one point I was like, there's no way I can list less than 30 films. And (laughs) I mean, I was just like, okay, we got, we got to get this down. We got to get narrow this down. So at this point, yeah, I ended up going more modern. Um, I think because of the nature of horror, much like the nature of sci-fi, it ends up being sort of a commentary on things that are happening in society at that point to the people that made them. We, you know, we looked at George Romero's stuff and the things that he was commenting on with night of the living dead. And I think a lot of the stuff that um, a lot of the things that are touched on in these films deal with stuff that I either clearly identify with or stuff that is more relevant to the times that I'm living in. I think part of why I like John Kramer as a main character, protagonist, antagonist, however you want to classify him, is I work at a law firm and it would be so easy to walk into a court of law and go, your honor, my client's being charged with murder. He has not killed anyone, you know, and I'm fascinated by that argument. I'm fascinated by that discussion. Um, The ideas of family, the ideas of paranoia, um, the ideas of not being able to trust the things in your own head. Um, Those are things that, you know, uh, my grandmother had uh, Alzheimer's and watching her at the flip of a switch go from an octogenarian to 16 years old and living in the farm in Pennsylvania was very sad, but also very scary of like, that's coming from within and she doesn't have any control over that. So I think that spoke to me directly watching that, watching my grandmother go through that um, in my late teens, early twenties, before she passed away, um, you know, that kind of burrowed itself in and kind of stuck there. So, yeah, that, I think that's kind of where I ended up going with this, not to say that anything from the seventies, eighties, sixties, fifties, um, I'm not trying to discredit any of those. Those are wonderful films. But for this list, this time around, this is what I came up with. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's, I mean, it's a good explanation. I was just curious because I know that there are some people who just have, I I know that you don't refuse to watch a movie because it's older, but some people do, but some people still just have, you know, the pacing was different because it was, you know, the preempt, pre mtv you know, music video era sure people don't, you know the pacing was slower and some people don't like that and i i can personally watch films from pretty much any era now sometimes i have to be in the mood to watch something from a certain era and yeah so, you know <laughs> some of those some of those silent films are a bit of a chore can be a bit yeah, of a chore sometimes <laughs> they can but there, there are some great silent horror there are films. some I mean, wonderful uh, obviously films. nosferatu the golem yeah uh, metropolis Cabinet of dr caligari metropolis yeah. even though it's feels like it's five hours long yeah, yeah. uh and uh <laughs> Robin there's a great Hood. one called vampire oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. There's anyway, some really well, 
Todd, thank you for sharing your list. Finally, our listeners will get off our back now about <laughs> finally sharing this list. Thank you for enduring it, Justin. Thank you, <laughs> listeners, for for I hope it was worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Um, are you still using Letterbox these days? It's I'm due to update. I, I need to be better about updating it because I have watched. Uh, I've caught up on a couple things. So I need yeah, to, you should. You should I need to use go it there. more. And uh, what what is your letterbox? Is it Mr. Todd A. Davis? Yep, at Mr. Todd A. Davis. Just like all, just like my everything, my socials. Yeah, yeah. You should at least uh, log and even star rate if you like star rating or. I had to, if you, I, yeah, that I I can't seem to nail down a decent system to be consistent on. Uh, well, what some people do though, is a little. <laughs> I'll do the, the thumb hard, up or down. The, yeah, they'll just hard it or not hard it. Oh, and right, right, you, right. Even if you don't write a review, like logging them is always fun, you know. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I was going to say you should make a list on there of Todd's favorite horror films and oh. we'll, we'll throw it out on Twitter for people to yeah. revisit later and on. Maybe yeah. it'll be even deeper than this one. Maybe. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so you're also Mr. Todd A. Davis on Twitter and all yes, that. Yes, so. at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. And if you want to hear me talk more about Star Trek, uh, come follow uh, the Computer Resume podcast. Uh, Justin's been on there a bunch. So has Gary and a couple of other uh, familiar voices. And uh, you can follow that uh, at Computer Resume on all of the socials and download uh, all the episodes to your heart's content from wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I'm Justin underscore Bishop. Uh, follow the show at cinema underscore shot on Twitter, Instagram. We're on Facebook. We've got a Facebook group uh, as well called a slice of fried gold. We post, you know, recent movie news, things like that. I've been trying to post more on there. Uh, it, it makes for some fun discussion and uh, yeah, go rate reviews on iTunes and all that shit. People are supposed to say at the end of a podcast. <laughs> Uh, and, and I don't know, we're not going to do our regular ending because Gary's not here to say, May the wing of liberty never You can do your Johnny Other Keys things if you well, want. Well, I was just, I was just going to do game over. There you <laughs> go. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye.